Girlwise is a safe space to learn and discuss all kinds of topics through anecdotes and evidence-based research. I'm your host, Brenna Nicole, and welcome to Girlwise. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Girlwise the Podcast. I am extremely excited to have you here with me, and I really hope that you enjoy the content because I work extra hard to bring you the best information possible. So for our first ever topic, we're going to be discussing the that girl trend. Is it a good thing to use social media trends and examples to want to better yourself? Or will it plague us with more unrealistic expectations of what it means to be a successful woman? We're going to talk and discuss all of these things, and I am so excited to begin the Girlwise journey. Hey everyone, before we begin, I wanted to give a clear and important disclaimer to ensure that listeners understand the limitations of the advice given on this podcast. I am not a professional or expert on the topics being discussed, and you should always use your own judgment when it comes to where you stand on a subject and making decisions. While I do my best to direct you in what I think is the right direction, it is always wise to consult with a qualified professional when seeking advice on a particular issue. References will be in the bio so you can take a look at all the places I'm getting my information from as well. You know your own story and situation better than anyone else, so do what is best for you always. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. So, the that girl trend. Is it really a way to better yourself or is it complete unrealistic expectations? As I said that, I know that one of those most likely sounded truer to you And I don't want to invalidate how you feel about the subject. I just want to hopefully expand your horizons on all topics like this one. Because being able to see both sides of any subject is crucial for being girl-wise. Even if one over the other is more suited for you. A little bit of backstory first on the That Girl trend. It started in TikTok in 2020. And it involves creating a persona that embodies a very confident and stylish woman who knows what she wants and how to get it. It's often characterized by a specific fashion style, makeup look, and lifestyle choices. Very clean, very healthy. I do believe it to be the evolution of the Visco Girl trend that was popular in 2019. I'm sure many of you are familiar with what that girl entails, like health-conscious foods such as green juices and smoothies, avocado toast and poached eggs, and many ways to prepare oatmeal. They can also show early wake-up times to increase productivity, workout and yoga routines before breakfast, 15-step Vogue skincare routines, and modern spiritual practices like journaling and meditation. And so, yes, in theory, all of this sounds quite nice. But, of course, there has been a surge of people no longer using these as inspiration, as a lifestyle improvement, but instead do these things as a way to highlight an unachievable lifestyle that, I mean, simply cannot be upkept in busy working people's lives. The problem does not lie in eating well, working out, and self-care rituals. Rather, it's about thinking that 
healthy and productive people look a certain way and have only certain habits. One Cosmopolitan article that I found while researching this wrote, quote, on the surface, she's an untouchable female power force that attacks her day with vigor and confidence, powered by flip clock alarms and a skincare fridge. But underneath it all, could the lifestyle of aesthetic be stifled by rigidity? Is chasing the that girl life encouraging an overbearing dependence on structure, convention, and expectation? And the thing that really stood out to me was the word expectation. I have spoken out about social media's effects on the spreading of unrealistic expectations before on my channel, if you want to check it out, and how much it's gotten out of control. Every time I watch these videos, there is a surge of what I think is inspiration but when I really think about it, it's more just FOMO. I think what I want is just the feelings that I hope come from living like that. What I want is to feel in control of my life, to feel productive and like I have everything together, rather than actually wanting to wake up early and drink some different colored crazy concoction of a smoothie every day. Don't you? It all seems very superficial, doesn't it, though? Something about it seems visually appealing, but in reality, I don't think it would make an astounding difference. And this is something that the internet does a lot of, especially in young people, which is quick fix solution to all of life's problems. Aesthetics, I'm sorry to say, will not solve your problems. Also, We've all heard this word over and over recently, and do we really even know what it means? Merriam-Webster defines it as, quote, appreciative of, responsive to, or zealous about the beautiful. Also, responsive to, or appreciative of what is pleasurable to the senses. And so, like all of the generations before us, we're getting lost in the never-ending, always insatiable lust for beauty. When we look at something pretty, it makes us happy. That's human nature. But all of that is fleeting because it really is all distractions to fixing what is making us feel so out of control anyway. Aestheticism can lead to a narrow focus on external beauty and pleasure, potentially causing us to neglect important values and responsibilities. It can also encourage excessive materialism and superficiality, which can result in a lack of depth and meaning in our life. On the topic of materialism, some people have pointed out that it can also cause discrepancies between people that can afford all the things shown in this trend. While researching, I watched too many videos about this and one comment on one of those videos really stood out to me. They described that girl as the perfect woman under capitalism and I think that is such a clever way to really encapsulate everything that this trend stands for. The way that these trends highlight certain products, clothing, and food it all just makes it seem like what you have 
is not enough. And if I were a young girl scrolling through the internet, always consuming these ideals, the you don't have to look like this to be cool disclaimers would just fly over my head. How in the world is a 12-year-old supposed to discern that you're showing her one thing and yet she's supposed to believe something else? I would fully have believed that if I could just have what she has, I'd be satisfied. But as an adult, I can see something different. We want to be that girl because she just seems to get it. We want to be her because of what it must feel like to be her. Not because she has pretty clothes, appealing food, and takes good pictures. None of that matters if it makes you feel the exact same as you currently feel. Will actually being that girl change your life? Unfortunately, no. So what will? Well, I think finding the root of what is missing within you that you feel this trend will change is what actually helps. We as girls can procrastinate on making changes big time because we want to wait until things are just right. Whether it's not wanting to wear clothes until we're skinnier or not applying to that job until we've taken that extra course. I almost didn't start this podcast because there were many moments of self-doubt with my mind saying things like, well, I can't do it because I need more knowledge and life experience. But in that case, I would never be ready because there is always something more I can learn or experience. Something that has helped me tremendously with this is envisioning the person I wanted to be, whether it's just in my mind or by making a vision board, to have a clear list or idea of what that looks like. And then by being very honest with myself about what I truly wanted for my future, I started asking myself, what would that version of me do? And then (laughs) literally doing that. My dream future self would never second guess herself on starting a podcast because she would be confident in having the knowledge it would take. I call it the merging of my desired reality to my current one for all those kids out there that tried reality shifting. I truly stopped making excuses on why I couldn't be that person right now. And even if I didn't have the things that she did, it didn't mean that it couldn't happen for me because the me of my dreams had to have done something to get where she is. So I just asked myself, okay, what did she do? What steps did she take to get where she is? And now it seems like she's just waiting for me along the path rather than just being some sort of fantasy that will never happen. And by doing this, I really do think that you can have the feelings that that girl has without it looking like the trend. This will be specifically catered to you and you will be just as confident, just as successful, and just as powerful as that girl, except she's you. Eating a healthy diet. Keeping your body active and focusing on self-care are all key factors in living well. We know this. I personally do love watching some TikToks that display ultra-lavish bath and nighttime routines. It makes me want to go out of my way to do something that I would think would be fun and enjoyable. 
it all has to do with balance and self-reflection. Do watching these girls make you feel bad about yourself because your culture, economic status, or lack of time don't allow it to be possible? Or does this genuinely inspire you to take control of how you want to spend your days, truly focusing on becoming a better you, fully knowing that it doesn't have to look the same as the Instagram or Pinterest examples? It really is all about balance and knowing that living a certain way does not put anyone above anyone else. You have the power to decide if trying to achieve this is going to be healthy for you And I hope I've given you a little bit of clarity on how to do so. Regardless of what approach you want to take, everything that you do to better yourself is valid. And I wish you the best in your self-improvement journey. Personally, I don't want to be that girl because I'm Brenna Nicole. And you will know my name. Okay, so at the end of every episode to close out, there will be this segment called Ask Me Anything. And basically, as the name states, you can ask any questions you want. How are the stars made? What should I wear on my first date? What colors can ants see? What's your favorite color? Should I text the sky? If Y equals MX plus B, then how can we intercept the slope when M equals 3 and B equals 8? Really, guys? anything. So the very first question comes from my sister. She asks, how do they make lactose-free milk? How do they take the lactose out of the milk? And well, we have to start by defining what lactose even is. Lactose is a carbohydrate that contains one molecule of glucose and one molecule of galactose. Both of these are simple sugars or also known as monosaccharides and each contain six carbon atoms. Humans remove lactose from kinds of milk like cow milk because some people, mainly adults, no longer produce enough or any of an enzyme called lactase. This enzyme produced by cells in the intestine called enterocytes is specifically designed to break down these molecules so that they can be absorbed through the intestinal walls and be used for energy. And of course, they need to be broken down because whole, they are too big to be absorbed. And when they're not absorbed, the bacteria in the gut starts to build up and it can cause all of the lactose intolerance symptoms like um, cramping, bloating, gases, and in more extreme cases, diarrhea and vomiting. Now, there are a few different methods that this lactose can be removed. The most common is, I guess, the most obvious when you really think about it, and that is by adding lactase, the enzyme, to the milk. This breaks down the lactose for you, and it barely makes any other changes to the milk. Afterward, it contains pretty much the exact same texture and nutrient profile as whole milk. That's right, it still contains the same amount of proteins and vitamins. Some people might perceive it to be sweeter because you can taste the different sugars separately, but it contains the exact same amount before. Now, after they add the enzyme to the milk in order to make sure the milk doesn't become spoiled because enzymes are meant to destroy chemical compounds, they have to deactivate it through a process called ultra-pasteurization. 
most commercial animal milk already goes through a process called pasteurization that I'm pretty sure you've heard. And this consists of heating up the milk to 72 degrees Celsius for 15 seconds over and over again, consequently killing off any pathogens from the milk and also extending the shelf life up to 45 days. This does not make the milk sterile, but it does make it safe to consume. Ultra-pasteurized milk, on the other hand, is heated up to 138 degrees Celsius for two seconds and is considered sterile. This is the needed temperature to deactivate the enzyme and it extends the shelf life of the milk even more than just pasteurization. The second method is by passing milk over a lactase-bound carrier. Now, you guys, this is where it gets really crazy. When I tell you I went down a rabbit hole of milks this morning, it's a bit more complex because they chemically bind the lactase to an inert carrier, meaning that the molecule won't be affected by the enzyme, and they pass the milk through it. So in simpler terms, they take the lactase and mix it with chemicals like sodium alginate, and place it into another chemical called calcium chloride. When the two solutions meet, it created these little balls that look like clear Orbeez, and then they just let the milk sit in with the lactase Orbeez, and the lactase breaks down the lactose without it ever incorporating into the milk. So they pretty much just dump the milk into the little bowl of Orbeez, and then they strain it out. And they do this process over and over again, testing the glucose levels afterwards. When they see that the glucose levels have risen, they know that the process is done because we know that when you break apart the lactose, you get those glucose molecules. So more glucose means less lactose. And they can even control how much lactose stays in the milk from 70% all the way down to zero. They use these lactose Orbeez many, many times. Now, the milk still has to be pasteurized in order to be safe to drink, and they do have to invest in stabilizing the lactase. So the milk from this process is more expensive, but it is supposed to taste much closer to whole milk. The last process is through filtration, and it is the most complex. It starts with ultrafiltration to trap the large molecules, then a process called electrodialysis, which is similar to reverse osmosis, but with electrical currents. And that is done to intercept mineral salts and then re-add them to the milk. Finally, nanofiltration recovers the lactose in the milk, allowing producers to separate the lactose from the milk. This process doesn't break down the lactose into sugars, but rather it completely removes them from the milk, giving it the purest taste and quality. I guess this could be useful for people who really love milk but are allergic to lactose instead of just not being able to digest it like an intolerance, which is different from a dairy allergy actually. Of course, this milk is the most expensive and it is a very intense, thorough process. Regardless of whatever process it goes through though, because these do not change any other compound from the structure of the milk, 1%, 2%, and skim milk are completely different processes that focus on the fat content of the milk. And well, there you have it guys. It was super fun researching this. I had no idea 
that, I mean, they could even do that to milk. I love learning new facts about the world we live in, and hopefully you learned something new today. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review the podcast as it helps me out a ton, you guys. There's a new episode next Saturday, so I'll see you there. Bye!